0: Welcome, Blue Shirts fans, to the premiere episode, the pilot episode, if you will, of Locked On New York Rangers. I am your host, John Chick. We're not going to waste too much time here. We're just going to jump right in and talk about the start to the season that the Rangers are off to here. Two wins, four losses. That's four points out of a possible 12 and it's unfortunate what happened to the Rangers here because they got off they got off to such a great start this season. They had that crazy win against the Jets on, on opening night at the Garden. They go to Ottawa. They take care of a bad team that they should beat, and that's indeed what they did. So just like that, you're out, you're storming out of the gates. You've got two wins in your first two games. You're cooking with gas, and then a very funky schedule. Didn't really do the Rangers any favors. I'm going to jump into that a little bit later. We're also going to talk about what, what I'm going to do since this is the first episode is I want to get through... All six all six games that have happened so far. And we're gonna skim through the first five episodes since you know it's kinda getting to be old news, but then we're gonna break down today's game against the Vancouver Canucks in a little bit greater detail and just kind of talk about what happened there. Rangers falling into a three a nothing hole in the first period and and nearly completing a great comeback, losing three to two. That would have really been a huge win for them if they could if they could have broke this losing streak with that by crawling out of a three oh hole. It is what it is. It's still encouraging, I think, that they fought back, but you know, there's no points for trying, obviously. It's a four-game losing streak. Tough way to start the season, but you know, I'm still seeing some positive things with this team. There's some red flags as well, and we're going to get into all that, like I said. We might save—there's going to be a segment eventually on the positives and the negatives so far this season. If we can get to it today, we will. If not, we'll save that for episode two, because like I said, I want to go through all six games here and just get us all kind of up to speed here and just kind of you know, take us through. I want to have every game represented this season And the only way to do that is to kind of go back in time a little bit here. Talk about the early games. The first two wins, those will be fun to kind of, you know, talk about what went right there. And then, you know, we'll we'll break down the losses as well. So a lot to do here. Not going to waste any more time. Let's just jump right into it. Obviously a crazy game to open the season at home against the Winnipeg Jets. The garden was rocking. It was a great atmosphere. If you love high-scoring hockey, you love goals, you love seeing the stars out uh, on any given night, this this was the hockey game for you. The Rangers scored a 6-4 victory in that one. Just a crazy game back and forth the entire way. Neither team led by more than a goal the entire game until an empty netter by Brendan Smith with just 17 seconds remaining. I thought one of the most encouraging aspects about this game was just the fact that, you know, the new guys were contributing. Artemi Panarin immediately, you know, gets his first goal as a New York Ranger. Jacob Truba going against his, his former team gets a goal and dishes out two assists. Obviously, when you're on a new team, regardless of the sport, regardless of even what level of the sport, you can kind of press a little bit. You want you want to get off to a good start with your new squad, your new teammates. You want to impress, obviously, the home fans. But it's great to see that both these guys, they look comfortable being, you know, uh, the new guys on the team and obviously contributing right away. So that was awesome to see. Uh, great to see both those guys getting points early. You don't want to wait too long to get that first goal, that first assist. And both those guys got that out of the way early, so that was very encouraging to see. There was one negative aspect about this game that I think I need to at least touch upon. The Rangers twice in the second period scored a goal and then immediately gave one right back to the Jets. Uh, Artemi Panarin scored to give the Rangers a 2-1 lead 27 seconds into the second period. Blake Wheeler comes back for the Jets 40 seconds later and immediately ties the game at 2. Then a few minutes later at the 6.03 mark, Jacob Trouba scores his goal And then nine seconds later, Blake Wheeler gets him again. Uh, The Rangers give it right back, and the game is tied at three just like that. So Rangers obviously working hard to get those leads, and then they're giving them right back right away. I'm not going to kill them for this. I mean, uh, first of all, it's Blake Wheeler. He's doing Blake Wheeler things. That's what he does, right? But I'm not going to kill them for this because it is early in the season. It hasn't obviously become a trend yet. You know, it's just one game, but you don't want to see that. Hopefully it does not become a trend It's something to keep an eye on. For now, I'm not going to hit the panic button with that, but the Rangers, they do have to do, they're a young team. They have to do a better job of coming back strong after they score a goal. Don't take your foot off the gas. Don't give them a chance to get back into the game and and get that goal right back because it happened twice in one period. It's obviously something you don't want to see, but. You know, like I said, it just happened one time. We'll keep an eye on it. If it happens again, then you know maybe maybe there's reason for concern there. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was a point of emphasis from Coach Quinn after this one to to just remind these guys that you know you need to you need to keep going strong. It doesn't matter if you just scored, you have to come out strong and you have to you have to shut them down and, and keep keep playing your game. And just to wrap up this first game against the Jets, obviously they're tied at 3 now coming into the third period, and Kyle Connor scores to give the Jets their first lead of the game at 4-3. to three. At this point, the Rangers have now given away the lead three times, but now it's their turn to come back, and that's exactly what they do, and that's what good teams do. They respond uh, to some adversity. Obviously, it was it was not good to give away the lead three times, but Mika Zibanejad scores about three minutes later to tie the game at 4 Brett Howden at the 1551 mark of the third period gives the Rangers a 5-4 lead and puts them on top for good, and then finally, Brendan Smith scores on the empty net with 17 seconds remaining, and just like that, the Rangers 1-0 to start the season. Moving on to Game 2 against the Ottawa Senators, it was basically just the Mika Zibanejad show. Uh, He had the hat trick for the Rangers, absolutely just victimizing his former team, and to boot, he even assisted Artemi Panarin for the final goal of the game. So he had a hand in all four goals. And Mika Zabanejad is on the verge of superstardom in this league. And you can see it in this game because not only does he get the hat trick, I mean, that's great. That's wonderful. Obviously, you'll take that any day of the week. But you look at the diversity of the goals that he scored in this game. Now, the first one comes on the power play, it gives them a lead 6 0 4 into the game. He finds a rebound. He's positioned in front of the net. He finds a rebound, and in the blink of an eye, he pulls the puck to his forehand and just slips it into the net faster than you could blink. Just like that, the Rangers are up one nothing. Now, Senators tie the game a little bit later in the period. Brady Kachuk scores. He gets the equalizer. Then we move into the second period where Zibanejad gets his, his, his next two goals. And on his second goal, he got to show off just how in sync he is with his line mates, which is impressive because you know Panarin's new to the team. Obviously, very skilled player. The Rangers are are very fortunate to have him. But this is only the second game that they're playing together, second regular season game anyway. And just a beautiful tic tac toe goal. I mean, Panarin dishes across the ice to Zabanajad, passes in deep to Bucnevich, and Buchnevich a one touch pass right back to him. And I think I could have scored at this point. I mean, by this point, these these were just such lightning quick passes. The goalie was basically undressed, and all Zibanejad had to do at that point was just tap it in, but just excellent passing on this play. Zibanejad working great with his line mates. And then finally, to complete the hat trick, the Rangers are—they're shorthanded. They're up 2-1 to one at this point, uh, about eight minutes or so left in the second period. They break out on a two-on-one. Zibanejad holds the puck. He holds the puck. He holds the puck. He waits for the defense—the defenseman goes down to block a potential shot or a pass— Zibanejad just stops and waits there until the defenseman slides out of his way and then flicks a wrist shot under the twine. Just an absolutely beautiful goal to complete the hat trick. And then just to put a bow on this game against Ottawa, I do have to talk about Alexander Georgiev. He obviously had a great night for the Rangers. Um, you know, it's not the most high-powered team in the league. I think Ottawa—they're—they're they're near the bottom of the league. They might be at the bottom of the league as far as projected win totals goes this year. Not a whole lot of firepower, but they did put 32 shots on net, and Georgiev stopped 31 of them. And you'll take that any night. All right, so let's get into the third game of the season here—a four-to-one home loss against the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think the Rangers did anything egregiously wrong into the in this game. I think they kind of just ran into a buzzsaw. The Oilers at this point were just white-hot to start the season. This was their fifth straight win to kick off the campaign, and since then they've they've won another two out of three. So now they're 7-1, they're, now they're looking like one of the best teams in hockey. And, you know, the Rangers, they played them tough. I think they just kind of, uh, you know, they, they, the game got away from them in the third period a little bit, and the stars were out for the Oilers with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl just having huge nights. And just a couple of minutes into this game, the Rangers get a power play, and then there's a high-sticking call against the Oilers, that leads to a five-on-three power play opportunity for the Rangers. I saw on social media some Rangers fans were were not too happy that the Rangers couldn't convert on the five-on-three, and I hear you. You know, you get a five-on-three advantage. That's big time there. That's a tremendous scoring opportunity under any circumstances. But you got to keep in mind they only had 40 seconds to work with. This wasn't a two-minute uh, five-on-three power play. They only had 40 seconds, and I thought they looked very good in those 40 seconds. They were moving the pa- They were moving the puck around. Passing was crisp. They got some chances. Zabanajad nearly scored from the doorstep. Panera nearly scored on the one play. Zabanajad was positioned uh next to the net. He the rebound went right to him, and unfortunately the puck just kind of took a high bounce on him and he couldn't he just couldn't put it home. It is unfortunate that the Rangers couldn't capitalize on the five on three, but again, you know, they didn't have a lot of time to work with and sometimes the puck just doesn't go into the net. It wasn't for a lack of effort, it wasn't even for a lack of scoring opportunities, you know. They they had their chances, they just they couldn't quite light the lamp on that on that five on three there. Also on that power play, Chris Kreider put one off the post, and then later in the in the first period, Brendan Smith again rings another shot off the post. So at that point, the Rangers, they're a couple inches away from being up 2-0, but alas, the game is still scoreless. That was until Capo Caco late in the first period gets his first goal as a New York Ranger. It's great to see, you know, I talked about this earlier with, you know, Panarin. And Truba being new to the team, you really want to see these guys get off to a good start. You don't want to have them waiting around too long to get that first goal, that first assist. And now Capo Caco joins the party here. He's taken second overall in the draft. There's obviously tremendous expectations that come with that. And this goal is a thing of beauty. I mean, Ryan Strom has the puck. He chips it ahead. Nice little lead pass to Caco, a backhanded pass to Caco. Caco goes in behind the defense. He's got the puck on his forehand. He pulls it to his backhand, and he lifts it over Mike Smith's pad. one nothing lead. I mean, Kako was smiling from ear to ear, and the Garden's going nuts. And again, it's, it's just great. If, if the Rangers are going to have to lose a game 4-1 to one this early in the season, and you could pick one guy to score the Ranger goal for that game, I think you would want it to be Kako just to get that first goal out of the way, let him have something to build on, let him start to feel it, and you know, let the crowd—the the, the crowd is waiting to explode for this guy, and, and they got their chance when he put them up one nothing here. And then we get to the third period, and this just was not a great stretch of hockey for the Rangers. Even before the, the Oilers started scoring goals, just about all the action was on the Rangers' side of the ice, and, and Lundqvist bailed them out at least once or twice. He made a great save on Leon Draisaitl to keep the score tied at one, but you kind of just see it coming. The Oilers are just swarming in the Rangers' zone. They get on a power play, and they get a fortuitous bounce when a pass deflects off of Jacob Trouba's skate and into the net. Nothing you can really do about that. It's just a bad break. But the Oilers, in a way, in a roundabout way, they kind of earned that break because, like I said, they'd been dominating the play to that point in the third period. And unfortunately, that ended up being something of a two-goal swing because just about a minute later, the Oilers get the puck into the Rangers' zone. Connor McDavid has the puck. He gets it to Leon Dreisaitl in front. Dreisaitl just kind of blindly just kind of put the puck near the net and it somehow got through Lundqvist. Cassian was there hammering away at it, but I don't think Cassian ever got his his stick on the puck and the official scorer agrees with me because that goal went to Drysdale who again, he kind of just no look played the puck toward the net and sometimes when you do that good things happen. The puck gets through Lundqvist. It's 3 to 1 and at that point there's only about 7 minutes left in the game. And the Oilers would go on to seal the win when Drys Idol scored again an empty netter with just 15 seconds remaining. So tough loss for the Rangers again. I mean, it was a game that they were in. I thought they played pretty well overall. It just got away from them a little bit there in the third period. So we're going to do our best to just kind of pick up the pace here, get through these next two losses real quick, and then break down the loss of Vancouver in a little bit greater detail. Rangers play in New Jersey, and unfortunately they give the Devils their first win of the season. The Devils were 0-3-2 to this point. The game started well enough for the Rangers as, uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo crashes the net, gets in there deep, uh, you know, in, in there pretty deep for a defenseman, but he finds the rebound, stuffs it home, gives the Rangers a one nothing lead in the first period. I still like D'Angelo. I still think there's a lot of upside there. He's still just 23 years old. Of course, he came over in the trade that sent Derek Stepan and Ranta to the Coyotes. But, I mean, the Rangers obviously liked him. They saw something special in him, and hopefully he's a guy that, you know, continues to just become more consistent because I think that's maybe the biggest thing that's lacking in his game right now is just consistency. You can tell that there's the skill level is there. He just needs to put it all together. This could be the year that it happens. I'd like to see some maybe some increased ice time for him, see if we can get a little bit more offensive production out of our and because that's something that's certainly been something of an issue the last few seasons. So great great to see D'Angelo, you know, get get – Get his first goal of the season out of the way there, uh, giving the Rangers a one nothing lead in New Jersey. Devils strike back, obviously, with the next three goals of the game. They get markers from Blake Coleman, Kyle Palmieri, and Miles Wood, and it's 3-1 New Jersey going into the third period. We go into early in the third period, and the Rangers are working tremendously hard in the attacking zone. They do a great job here maintaining possession of the puck. They really, really had to bust their tails just to, uh, to, to maintain possession. They're working the puck along the boards. They're keeping it away from the Devils. Eventually, the puck comes around the boards into to Brady Shea, who's pinching in. Shea plays it behind the net to Brendan Smith. Smith dishes in front of the net to Ryan Strom, and Strom just sends a beautiful, really quick backhand pass uh, across the goal crease there to Jesper Foss, and all Foss had to do at that point was just stuff at home. That's exactly what he did. 222 into the third period. Rangers cut the deficit to 3-2. to two. And unfortunately, that's as close as the Rangers got. Nikita Gusev scores a little bit later in the third period. 12-21 mark to be exact. Gives the Devils a 4-2 lead at that point. And then P.K. Subban basically closes the game. Uh, just 48 seconds left. He scores an empty net goal. Obviously, it's it's an uphill battle at that point anyway, but Subban's goal seals the win for the Devils. The Devils take a 5-2 victory from the Rangers. Rangers are back in action the following night in our nation's capital. They fall behind 1-0 to the Capitals, but Mika Zabanajad and Pavel Buchnevich change that in a hurry. Zabanajad, Rangers are operating on the power play. Zabanajad carries the puck into the corner. He dishes in front to Pavel Buchnevich. Buchnevich makes a great move around Braden Holpe, kind of just delayed with the puck. Brings it to his forehand and shoots and scores. And just like that, we are tied at one. We jump ahead to the second period. The Rangers are down three to one at this point. The Capitals are attempting to clear their zone. Brady Shea makes an outstanding play. He reaches up and kind of gloves the puck down to prevent the Caps from clearing their zone. He gets a pass ahead to Mika Zabanajad, and Zabanajad leaves a, a little backhand pass for Artemi Panarin, and from there, it's just a beautiful give-and-go goal. Panarin dishes to Chris Kreider, and Kreider sends a beautiful centering pass right to him. Panarin's able to just chip it in right from the doorstep there. Unfortunately, you know the third period belonged to the Caps. TJ Oshie scores about midway through. The third period on the power play, that gives the Capitals a 4-2 lead. And then Garnett Hathaway uh, ices the game with an empty net goal with just 28 seconds remaining. So at that point, it's three straight losses to the Rangers. And now let's go ahead and dive into—I want to break this one down in greater detail because this is the one that's hot off the presses, the game against the Vancouver Canucks from Sunday afternoon here. Interestingly, the Rangers had a heck of a scoring opportunity on the first shift of the game there. Mark Stahl carries the puck into Vancouver's zone and, and just kind of powers his way to the net. Gets around a defenseman. I don't think the Canucks really thought that he was gonna he was gonna drive to the net the way he did, but he did. He got around behind them. Uh, Jacob Markstrom makes a really nice save on the on the doorstep there. nice stall keeps the game scoreless. So a good start for the Rangers there, at least in the first 20 seconds or so. But uh, obviously not at all indicative of what was to come here in the opening period. We fast forward a couple minutes here, and the, and the Rangers are really having a tough time getting the puck out of their own zone. Despite not really being under tremendous pressure here, it just seemed like for whatever reason they, they just couldn't quite get it together, couldn't get the puck out of the zone. They eventually do. They move the puck to the neutral zone, but Vancouver immediately gets it back, Plays shoots the puck back into the Rangers zone. Canucks continue to work the puck around it. It, it leads to eventually Hayek ends up taking a hooking penalty, and the, the Canucks are on the power play for the first time in the game. The penalty kill started positively enough for the Rangers. I thought like the first minute was awesome. The Rangers you know, clearing the puck out of the zone. They're, they're, they sent down the ice a couple of times. No opportunities whatsoever to speak of for the Canucks in the first minute there. But then after the first minute, the Canucks really kind of settled down. They kind of established possession in the Rangers' zone. They're moving the puck around nicely. And th- about 30 straight seconds there, the Rangers really couldn't put any pressure on the puck. The Canucks just kind of had them back on their heels. And Elias Peterson sends a centering pass to Bo Horvat. Horvat's position there in the slot, and he doesn't mess around. He gets the puck on his, on his skate to play it to his stick, and just scores right there from the doorstep, just like that one nothing Canucks. Fast forward just a couple of minutes here, and the Rangers lose a faceoff on Vancouver's side of the ice. The puck comes out, it's moving through the neutral zone, and it's Brady Shea against Tanner Pearson. It's basically just a foot race to the loose puck there. Shea has the inside track, Pearson is along the boards. Shea does kind of stick out his arm, his right arm a little bit, and, and maybe impedes him just a little bit, but really a ticky-tack penalty here called against Brady Shea. I can't kill Shea for this because, you know, I don't even know that this was a penalty. I really don't think it was. I mean, if you're going to call this, you can call, you can call a penalty every every 30 seconds if you want to. But once again, Rangers in the penalty box, less than eight minutes into the game, and, uh, you know, it's already the second power play for the Canucks. So, not the way you want to start the game. You don't want to start, you know, back on your heels. It's just such an uphill battle at that point. And, uh, but this pal- this penalty kill, fortunately, went a lot better for the Rangers. The Canucks did create some scoring opportunities on this power play. Lundquist was up to the challenge, though. He made a couple of really nice point-blank saves right there on the doorstep, keeping the puck out of the net and keeping the score at 1-0 Canucks to that point. Adam Fox draws a penalty deep in the Rangers' zone. Just a couple of minutes later, he's chasing a loose puck along the boards, and and he's just grabbed from behind, you know, kind of kind of by the shoulder there, and uh, holding penalty against the Canucks I, again. You know, the president is the precedent has been set at this point that the the refs are going to call pretty much anything. But I would have to say this this was a holding penalty. It doesn't look like much, but when you impede somebody going from a, going for a loose puck like this, uh, they're going to call it every time. And like I said, the, these refs had already kind of set a precedent that you know it was, they were going to call it, uh, you know, a little bit on the tight side. In this one, and um, they did the same thing here. So, turnabout is fair play. The Rangers get a power play as well on a holding penalty. And despite not scoring, I thought this was an excellent power play for the Rangers Artemi Panarin just unleashes a howitzer at the net. Jacob Markstrom fights it off. The puck's just kind of laying there. Zibanejad and Kreider both kind of had a whack at it, but eventually the Canucks, you know, clear to side, but not out of the zone. The Rangers the Rangers take possession back. Capo Caco a few minutes later shoots just wide, and then, you know, the Rangers continue to just cycle the puck in the zone. And a little bit later on the power play there, Panarin passes the puck in deep to Zibanejad. Zibanejad is, is kind of right next to the net. He gets the puck. He receives the pass with his back to the net, and he spins to his right to bring the puck to his forehand and and tries to stuff it in but unfortunately you know Markstrom just gets on top of it doesn't doesn't allow the puck to get by him great scoring opportunities this entire power play i mean you can't always measure i know you want to score every time you have a power play they're they're inherently great scoring opportunities anytime you have the man advantage but the Rangers look good on this. A lot of different guys getting some scoring opportunities. Some some real creative puck movement here. I thought it looked good. Again, you can't always judge it based on whether the team scores or not. And, you know, if they had their chances, the puck just didn't go in the net. Sometimes that happens. The power play expires, but the Rangers get another great scoring opportunity. There's a there's kind of a fight for the puck, a loose puck behind the net. You know, a couple, a lot of bodies kind of kind of converge around that area, and all of a sudden the puck just kind of squirts in front to Jesper Foss. Foss gets a great chance from the doorstep. He immediately shoots, but Jacob Markstrom just a better save. Sometimes you just gotta tip your cap. He kind of he kind of lunged to his left, stretched out his glove, and, and just snagged it. Great save by Markstrom there to uh, you know preserve the lead for Vancouver. And this is where the first period and really the game start to, to get away from the Rangers a little bit. Because up to this point, you're feeling pretty good, right? I mean, you're down a goal. You're down one nothing, sure. But, you know, you're creating some scoring opportunities. You have looked excellent on your one power play. You've killed off their most recent power play. A lot of different guys are getting involved on in the attack. Jesper Foss, you know, narrowly misses the equalizer there. And then, you know, just about a minute later... Brock Besser scores to give the Canucks a 2-0 lead, and really not a good goal at all here. Rangers really struggling to get the puck out of their own zone, which is kind of becoming a theme to this point in the, in the game. Lundquist tried to play that. He went behind the net to get the puck. He kind of tried to shoot it out of the zone. It went back in, and then Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl both have chances to get the puck out of their zone, and they both just kind of fanned out. I, I really don't know what happened here, but bottom line is the Canucks get the puck back. They work the puck to Brock Besser in the high slot, and he just whips a, a wrist shot past Henrik Lundqvist to make it 2-0. It's a bad goal. I mean, there's no two ways about it. This, this is one of the worst goals I've seen the Rangers give up this season so far. Just failing to get the puck out of their zone, and you can't do that. You know, every time you do that, you're giving the other team, you're giving your opponent another scoring opportunity. And this time, the Canucks took advantage. So we move ahead another couple of minutes here. Rangers working on the power play. They look okay on this power play until the puck goes in deep Panarin goes in to chase it. He moves the puck, kind of a blind pass back toward the point. Unfortunately, the only person there is Jay Beagle, and Jay Beagle plays for the Canucks. Beagle zips out of the zone. They go in on a two-on-one. Mika's advantage at it. Kind of catches up to, to Beagle a little bit. He's kind of he's kind of you know trying to get the puck away from him, but he can't do it. Beagle shoots and scores, uh, beats Lundqvist on the short side, his glove side. And, and just like that, you know, the, everything was looking fine, and, and then, you know, it kind of just fell apart here for the Rangers, down 3 nothing late in the first period. We start the second period. Rangers do not get off to a great start here. They're just giving up too many odd-man rushes, and Henrik Lundqvist had to bail them out a couple of times. Fortunately, he was up to the task, and really the fact that the, the Rangers had any chance whatsoever to come back in this game, they have him to thank for it. A couple of really nice saves on some odd-man rushes, uh, really kind of saving their bacon there. Rangers finally cracked the scoreboard late in the second period, and this was all Jesper Faust. Faust has the puck. He gains the red line. He shoots the puck into the Vancouver zone, and he just flies in there behind the net after it. He gets past a defenseman, basically just outworked this guy to get to the puck. So Faust is in there. He's got defensemen all over him at this point, so they kind of cancel each other out as they're battling for the puck, and instead, Ryan Strom comes behind the net. He flips a pass back to the point to Jacob Truba. Truba takes a shot from the blue line, and Jesper Foss at this point has moved in front of the net, and he deflects it home for his second goal of the year. Fifth assist, by the way, for Jacob Truba. So, you know, obviously uh, that move paying dividends early for the Rangers here. He's contributing. He's making things happening. But what an effort by Jesper Foss on this play. Nobody works harder than this guy. Thrilled that he got this goal. He made it all happen. He's the one who went in there, got to the puck first, allowed Strom to to make the pass back to Truba, and then he has, you know, the presence in mind to get to the front of the net there and, and deflect the puck home. So the third period starts, and the Rangers are just absolutely swarming. I mean, they're getting pucks at the net. They're getting high-quality scoring opportunities. They're making things happen. And I mentioned earlier about how Vancouver's first two goals were largely due to the fact that the Rangers couldn't clear their zone. And this time it's the exact opposite. The Canucks cannot get the puck out of their own zone. The Rangers hold it in. Jesper Foss gains possession behind the net. Again, Jesper Foss is just playing his butt off, and he passes in front to Artemi Panarin. And and Panarin is a sniper. He just does not miss shots like this. He slams at home. It's 3-2. to two. We're, we're only about five minutes into the third period at this point. And, uh, you know, Rangers are in business. Now down, down by just a goal. And plenty of time remaining to get the equalizer. The Rangers, unfortunately, they never got the equalizer. The equalizer never came, but it was not for a lack of effort or scoring opportunities or anything like that. They basically had a 15-minute power play here in the third period. They were absolutely just buzzing in the Vancouver zone. A lot of guys had chances. D'Angelo had a chance. Truba had a chance. Pavel Buchnevich, after the Rangers pulled Lundqvist, made an outstanding play to prevent the Canucks from scoring on the empty net. He deflected the puck with his stick into the corner. Somehow got a piece of it. I don't know how, but he, he kept it out. He kind of got tripped up on the other side of the net, on the other side of the rink, rather. When it looked like he was about to have a scoring opportunity, and then a little bit later, about 40 seconds left, Panarin sends a pass over to Fox. Fox chips it in deep to Strom, and Strom goes for the deflection, but Markstrom barely able to smother it. I mean, I I jumped out of my seat on that one. Looked like they were going to get the equalizer, but unfortunately, just not meant to be. And if you're a Ranger fan, and you know you want to look at this as kind of like a glass half, glass half full kind of a situation, I think you can take some solace in knowing that the Rangers, you know, they played, they worked really hard to get back into this game. Would have been easy to just kind of, uh, you know, fold and hey, it's on our day kind of thing. You know, down three nothing in the first period there, but they fought back into this one. They came ridiculously close again. the equalizer in the third period. If they play the way they do the rest of the season, as they did in the third period today, there's absolutely nothing to be worried about. And now you just hope that that third-period performance can can spill into the next game here on Tuesday night against the Coyotes. And there is just one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this first episode here. I want to just touch upon this, this bizarre early-season schedule that's been dealt to the Rangers because you look at it. Okay, they start on Thursday, October 3rd. That's the second night of the season. So, okay, great. We, we open with a win over the Jets. We play two days later against the Centers, and we win that one as well. And then we don't play for an entire week. They had the entire week off. And, you know, they lost to the Oilers. But this is just such a weird early season schedule. You know, I understand that early in the season, teams tend to have more off days. But it's nothing like this. You don't have six straight days off. It's just bizarre. And then to add to it, they had to wait another five days to play the game against the Devils. And the game against the Devils was the start of the Rangers playing three games in just four days. So, so let's recap here. I think a little recap is in order here. You get two games to start the season. You beat the Jets. Two days later, you beat the Senators. Great. No no issues there. You're off for an entire week after that. You lose to the Oilers. You're off for five days after that. You lose to the Devils. You play the next day against the Capitals. You lose that one, too. You play two days later against the Canucks, and you lose that one, too. So, yeah, just all over the place to start the season. I really don't think this did the Rangers any favors Now, listen, it's entirely possible—I mean, the Rangers lost all four of these games, right? But wouldn't you have liked to have seen what would have happened if, say, the Rangers had, I don't know, two days off, maybe three days off between the win against the Senators and the eventual loss against the Oilers? Wouldn't it have been nice to see what the Rangers could do to see if maybe they could have just stayed on that roll there— It's entirely possible. Look, they've lost four in a row. They had that big break there before the the big losing streak. It is entirely possible that the Rangers would have lost all four of those games anyway, right? It happens. You know, teams go through bad stretches. Maybe it wouldn't have made any difference at all, but I can't help but think that, you know, maybe, I mean, they might have won at least one of those games or maybe two of those games, or maybe maybe one of them goes into overtime. You salvage a point, you get a, a point for an overtime loss or something like that. But I don't know. Would would the Rangers, without that big layoff there, would they have gone four straight games, all losses, no points to show for it? I'm not so sure they would have. This early season schedule did them no favors whatsoever. So that'll wrap things up for the first episode of Locked on New York Rangers. I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this as I had recording it. I hope you'll come back for episode two. We're going to talk a little bit about the Rangers' early season trade They send Vladimir Nemestikov to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick and Nick Ebert. I'm going to share my thoughts on that. And now I realize that that trade obviously happened about about two weeks ago now, and it, it's a little bit of old news, but unfortunately, you know, this, this podcast didn't exist two weeks ago. So I think it's just worth at least touching upon. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. It's not like it's the blockbuster trade to end all blockbuster trades or anything like that. But I think when you, you know, he's a guy who came over in, in a trade with Tampa Bay. The Rangers had some high hopes from It didn't really work out. I think it's at least worth talking about a little bit. So So we'll get into that in episode two. Episode 2, we're also going to look at some of the early positive signs for the Rangers, as well as some potential red flags. And we're going to break down—we're going to preview a little bit. The upcoming game, we've got a home tilt against the Arizona Coyotes. I still always want to call them the the Phoenix Coyotes, but I think I'm finally getting used to it. The Arizona Coyotes, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock puck drop at the Garden. Big game for the Rangers. I'm not going to sit here and call this a must-win game. All right, we're only seven games into the season here, but this is an important game. I mean, the Rangers, they— have lost four in a row after a, a promising start to the season. They won their first two games. They've dropped four in a row. you got to get back on the winning track. You can't let this thing snowball. You can't let your season get away from you early. It's a big game for the Rangers. they got to take two points off of this off of this team. Can't wait for it. Looking forward to it. If you guys want to get in touch with me, shoot me an email at LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. If you're more into Twitter... Go ahead and tweet me at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. We've also got a Facebook page that's under construction right now. It'll be up and running by the end of the week. So if you're more into the Facebook universe, that will soon be an option for you as well. Again, thanks, you guys, for joining, and I'll see you next time.